That was a great dinner. So great. Wait, where'd you park the car? Oh, the one I just sold at Carvana. What? When did you do that? When you were still looking at the menu. I went on Carvana.com and all I had to do was enter the license plate or VIN, answer a few questions, and got a real offer in seconds. They picked up the car already? No, I parked around the corner. But they are picking it up tomorrow and paying me right on the spot. Oh, no wonder you picked up the check. Yeah, about that. Uh, thought we were going halfsies. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. So in the fuck up nights scenario, look, we emphasize storytelling purely. So it's not a panel discussion. It's one person up on stage telling a story about their life. Um, the, the speakers often have a really lovely experience because they get to, they, they, they do something they wouldn't often do, which is that they chart back through their life and sort of pinpoint moments and have a nice experience actually sitting and stopping and thinking about what's happened in their life for, for once. And it's usually quite emotive. Great to be back with you here, as always, for another action-packed episode of Humans of Purpose. First off, a little warning that there is some explicit words and swearing in this podcast, so if you have kids around or you're sensitive to such things, please put on the earmuffs or skip the episode altogether, and it will be marked explicit too. First off, a big thank you to our major sponsor, Neon Treehouse, who are doing a great job doing all our social media work and making us look far better than I ever could myself. This week, I'm thrilled to bring you my conversation with Gary Gaz Williams. Gary is a head curator at Fuck Up Nights. Fuck Up Nights have become a staple of the Melbourne startup scene and involve a storytelling-focused gathering, acknowledging the mistakes, failures, and fuck-up stories that impact our personal lives and professional careers, affecting us as the humans that we are. Gary is also Director of Engagement at Tractor Ventures. Tractor Ventures provides non-dilutive strategic funding to unlock possibilities for founders, helping Australian and New Zealand technology companies scale with optionality. These are just a few of Gary's awesome activities, and he's just one of those foundational, connective, and nurturing people who has helped Melbourne to become the thriving and bustling startup and VC hub that it is today. I've seen a lot of Gaz over the years, and when I bumped into him at the Commons uh, in Cremorne recently, I felt like the time was right to sit down with him and have some quality hang time and just reconnect. Funnily enough, I managed to lose the first recording we did together immediately after we recorded it, but Gaz, the great bloke that he is, came back a few days later to record this fresh cut with me. I think it's better than the first one, but alas, we'll never know. A reminder that if you'd like to enjoy the podcast earlier than everyone else on a private dedicated feed without the annoying ads and with full transcripts, a personal audio note from me and a concierge service so you can be connected to our wonderful guests, you can become a Humans of Purpose Gold member for the cost of a coffee each month. Check out the link in our show notes to sign up today. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Gaz as much as I did. Gaz, um, somewhat like the black cat in the Matrix, um, a feeling of deja vu passes over me as we sip our coffees together at the Commons to record again. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? 
I'm good, Mike. Um, I, I'm assuming you've uh, explained the backstory, etc. But uh, I'm I'm game for it. Um, round two, let's do this. <laughs> oh, mate, I, I'm confident that we're going to smash this one out of the park and get the full recording uh, sorted. So, look, uh, for those who who weren't aware, we did have a little first mishap in 272 episodes of me immediately losing the um, mini SD recording card after our recording and uh, spending a day of tirelessly searching the comments for it to no avail. But um, not to relitigate the past, very lucky to have Gaz here with me. I have seen you a lot about around the Commons and at great um, purpose-driven events over the years. Yep. And um, I just think you're the right person to come on because I'm really interested by how you approach life balance, career balance, how you make decisions about what you want to do. Um, from day dot, I've known you as a guy who gets up on stage and does all the MC stuff, does the cool jobs, does yeah. the MC stuff. But then I've also known you as a guy who's been at General Assembly doing mm. creative work and you, a creative thread kind of seems to run through everything you do. Yeah, certainly. Um, uh, I, I like the fact you've said the cool jobs aspect. I, I uh, you always I have, have cool jobs. I have been in some cool jobs, no doubt. Um, I, I think, la- you know, to a degree, self initiated in in some ways, like in the ways they've all sort of come about. Uh, but I've definitely had a focus on, I guess, sort of designing my career um, over the last little while. Well, let, let's just call it within my thirties. Whereas within my twenties, I certainly felt um, incredibly aimless and. Um, absolutely unsure of how to navigate the world. So certainly had this uh, feeling of consistently being late uh, to everything um, across life and career. A, l- a late bloomer per se? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I am too. I feel, um, feel in the same camp, totally. Didn't apply myself properly at um, high school, had some, you know, had had a few sort of awful things in my sort of um, earlier days. And then, and then, yeah, just really just wasn't clued in or switched on as to how to navigate both in terms of the university landscape and then sort of post-university. So ending up in shitty sales and other types of sort of, you know, uh, <laughs> I roles. The, the exact same trajectory. Well, it just felt, you know, I felt like I was, you know, running behind. So it's like, you know, like like an idiot. I sort of tried to shortcut it and get to something that would earn me a lot of money yep. like really quickly, became incredibly unhappy and, um, you know, or, or bunch of, you know, a whole bunch of others sort of, you know, cliched sort of things. But, Did you um, hit a purpose crisis point? Like oh, a, yeah, absolutely. Of, a who am I, where am I going sort of period? Yeah, I mean, many times. Um, yeah, and it was it was really difficult. Like the most difficult thing to navigate as part of it was just I just couldn't get out of my head for years. I just felt like – so I was working within sort of corporate environment, et cetera, and I just really couldn't – I changed my personality to sort of fit in with what I thought would elevate me within that environment and, you know, started to feel, you know, I got tried to get harder, you know, in that sort of corporate environment and, you know, a lot, lot more business Tough professionally. Up. Yeah, and I, I just – it just wasn't me. It just wasn't my personality. Mm. So won't wax on about it. But um, I think the, the end point to this is that I eventually entered into the, the technology and startup landscape and – Whilst um, certainly troubled across, you know, many, many sort of ways, I certainly found myself. And I think um, what one sort of side note which adds to this is that, you know, throughout the uh, my time sort of with a severe lack of purpose, I'd actually been playing in a band and fronting a band and had this like really great creative outlet outlet that I didn't, you know, associate with a career in any way. But when I started to enter into the tech space and find this real freedom of collaboration and working with people and certainly creating things out of basically vapour, 
Um, that had some parallels to my time in bands and uh, then I started to really appreciate what my past hobby had sort of taught me for the future onwards. Yeah, and it makes sense, like the MC sort of front man gigs. Yeah, absolutely. The presenter stuff, facilitation. I mean, you would have loved all that kind of being from that realm. Yeah, I, I definitely underappreciated that aspect. But, yeah, certainly as I entered into the tech space, found out very quickly that uh, – uh, there were lots of stages and there were lots of microphones that needed people and there were lots of um, interviews to be had. With... Someone had to hold those microphones and you were there. Absolutely. But I'm, a, I'm an incredibly curious person, I guess, in terms of yeah. um, all manner of types of creative technologies, um, social good impact um, type scenarios, businesses, people, projects. So I just lent into it um, wholeheartedly and and it's been a part of my life ever since. Do you feel a bit of serendipity, sort of right place, right time, right openness uh, for you to find your way from band life into startup um, ecosystem life? Because I think probably at that point it was good early days and a great time to make an impression in a growing ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, there was some serendipity and no doubt um, some aspects of luck, but, uh, you know, I, I couldn't get an interview to save my life uh, within the tech space, not not one interview from some low to mid to um, big sort of companies, uh, not one, everything from like a junior role, et cetera. And I've worked my ass off for like quite some time up until then in what I thought would be sort of um, skills that would transition over. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I just had to start taking some risks and I – you know, I, I you mentioned General Assembly. That was sort of my first foray into tech world. Um, but it was a partnerships role and I decided to um, really sort of lead by example of how that would be. So I applied for it and then absolutely went, you know, ham at the – ham, is that the right word? I don't know. Full, full ball? But I, I left nothing to chance. Yeah. Full ball is a little better. Ham's so fine. Ham, delicious. I, I applied – Rocked up at the workplace where the boss was. I said, I want the job. I want the job. I want it now. <laughs> and I really went for it. And I think he appreciated the the absolute tenacity um, yeah. that I showed. But, um, you know, and then I exhibited some actual nous in being able to do the job in the interviews, I guess. Um, and they took a chance on me. And then I really... Yeah, really just took that on and, and started to um, evolve as a person, I think. Yeah, that's really cool. And so from that point onwards, um, like being in the space, landing your first role, were you kind of hooked on the the energy? Like what did you love about that startup tech ecosystem space? Uh, I really I – lo- I love the collaborative nature of the knowledge share, certainly. Um, but I think that uh, – you know, really being immersed in it, so sort of seeing, I guess, conversations happening live. This type of scenario might have been one, you know, finding yourself in scenarios that were, you know, you know, I would consume a lot of podcasts, et cetera, but then start to be involved in them or host them, et cetera. So, I, yeah, I, I found it a little ironic, but I think that when I got into the events um, type scenario, whilst not the sole thing that I do, was certainly um, something that, uh, people got to know me for in terms of the events I was delivering and the events I would sort of be involved in curating. So, so when does um, Fuck Up Nights become the the sort of crown jewel of that suite? Yeah, I, I think, you know, that, that sort of uh, music background. And mind you, this is like severely harsh metal <laughs> that I was playing, you know, yeah. not, not, not quite a palatable um, thing, although I like to think of myself as a relatively nice guy. But um, so... I don't know. I, I think because I'd certainly operated in, I guess, what you would call a bit of a subgenre realm, and um, have always embraced a little uh, weirdness or um, off the beaten path yeah, kind of yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know, 
yeah, I'm 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 not likely to listen to you know the um the you know the triple M top twenty. You know, it's not not yep. my jam. Yep, fair. Smooth FM though. The, no worries. That done well. Yeah, yeah. Good revival. Um, but uh, look, I'd, I'd been involved in the General Assembly space and, again, removing this uh, – sorry, unpacking this sort of hobbies aspect off to the side, um, you know, I quickly noticed, that as as you would expect, but, yeah, by being immersed in it, seeing that people had sort of various things that they were coupling with their life, with their sort of – their job, they would have these other aspects to their it's life. what people term in inverted commas side hustle. Basically, which yeah. A fairly offensive sort of term, really. I yeah. don't like it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there were, um, uh, ironically for the tech space being portrayed as this like highly exciting, et cetera, I actually found like quite a quite a lot of sort of vin- very vanilla conversations um, happening in some events I was attending. And, yep. um, and even, even in the way I was sort of curating some events, I, I don't think I sort of – what about the the types of conversations I was sort of longing to hear? So um, I, th- I think I lent into a little bit of fear and thinking about doing something that was very very off center and seeing whether it might work for a little bit. Yeah. Um, six years later, here we are. So myself and Josh Lipscomb, we run Fuck Up Nights Melbourne, and we've um, also delivered and dabbled in Fuck Up Nights Sydney for a little while there. So what's the impetus for Fuck Up Nights? Are you seeing just a lot of um, – did you notice a, a taboo kind of in the space around startups? I mean, look, the, the, the data doesn't lie, you know, only a few percent succeed. So there must be a lot of fuck-ups. Were you kind of eyeing that space and thinking, wow, this is really not something that's discussed openly well or – Yeah. Look, first of all um, – Appreciate the ability to swear uh, with full abandon. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, it's going to be Although, marked explicit, but you go ahead. Fuck up nights has a funny way of you know when when you sort of say it or it's or it's seen it certainly cuts through. So it, um, it elicits a raised eyebrow like almost immediately. It's so, very sexy. Yeah, it captures attention, no doubt. Um, I, I think that we, you know, myself and Josh were quite involved in the startup space. So when we realised that this global um, series of chapters and Melbourne was there. So we intended to push this out there. I think that we did have thoughts that it would sort of centre on startup leaders who had failed in ventures that were, you know, were startups, like purely based on technology, et cetera. Uh, It started to get really interesting as it started to pick up momentum and we started to branch out or diversify the type of speakers that were involved. The core reason for that was that the stories were not coming up as um, I lost this amount of money, um, I, I lost this house, etc. It started to become around, you know, my my marriage broke down. Um, uh, I'm ex- I'm experienced. I've experienced and continue to this day to experience significant mental health um, issues or trauma. Um, I see the world differently. I, I interact with people that I love and care about differently as a result of X happening. And so when, when these sort of really sort of um, personal stories started to rise to the to the top, you know, I, I, I think we went from being like, oh, this is funny, like, you know, could be sort of like a jokey sort of thing to destigmatize um, losing money. That, that's how I saw it originally. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. A, a bit of a tongue-in-cheek, like let's just have a lot of fun kind yeah, of yeah. event. Yeah, and we've, we've flitted between we, – we definitely promote it as um, an element of sort of some tongue-in-cheekness whilst also, um, you know, lots of don't give a fuck sort of attitude. But in the room, uh, then that's a different story. We create a very 
fun environment to set the scene and then a very warm, um, raw, honest sort of environment. And certain things are put in place, so we never record them. Uh, we never we never share out sort of significant parts of the talk. So if you want to hear it, you've got to be there. That's a great model. <laughs> That's yeah. truly fantastic. And look, it's not tied to any sort of business um, type scenario. <laughs> you know, Josh and I have no aspirations at all to be failure coaches or, um, you know, tell – you know, I think you would be a fantastic life life coach if you wanted to go down that path with your creativity. Um, all you'd have to do is not tell people that they've got um, inherent self-imposed barriers that they have to overcome in order yeah. to reach the next level. If you didn't do that, you'd already be way ahead of the pack. Oh, well, it's an unofficial part of my life anyway, Mike. Uh, so you got my, kids, you got friends. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't seek to put advice out to the world. I'm, I'm pretty conscious of um not sort of talking about a lot of this stuff. And the deep irony is that, you know, my, my wife and friends, my family, um, you know, I'm just a running joke in terms of uh, like, like, is this a fucking career? Like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. But the ability to make a patchwork of things that you love and care about and believe in into a career, I think is a unique skill that um, is is testament to great creativity and purpose. <laughs> yes. I don't know if that was Simply. a question or just more of a statement, but just, yeah, good job. No, I um, – <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm. I'm very. Yeah, I, I. Um, my emphasis is on curation. So I certainly uh, am creative in a lot of aspects that I do. But um, yeah, certainly this curation theme pervades sort of everything. You made a strong commitment recently on Twitter to this. Be this will be the year of content creation from Gaz. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm. I'm. I, I think I'm most. Um, motivated to platform and highlight uh, people that are not quite um, visible or present in the mainstream publications or or thereabouts mainstream. Yep. So the ones that are regularly seen, regularly speaking on panels. Yeah, it's on all the same people, isn't it? Most it of the is, time, it is. It is, and the narrative um, is relatively well rehearsed and and wears thin to a degree. So. Um, I've I've had the fortune of meeting some really really exceptional people, you know, over the journey, and I get a really significant kick out of platforming and highlighting people again um, who sit in even like quite niche or um, or I I guess even sort of subgenre um, fields. Mm. So. Uh, you know, I could rattle off a few, but let's just lean into, say, sex tech or death tech. I was hoping you'd say or, sex tech. Yeah, or um, psychedelics mm. or, um, you know, other types of... Fringy, cool yeah, spaces. Yeah, 100%. Because yeah. it leans into my own interests and um, and I certainly know enough people within that realm, both locally and internationally, to highlight, you know create content that features them as in terms of that production capacity, just like now, um, and, and weave together this narrative to, um, you know, put the spotlight on them through a mixture of events, written content, podcasting, and then other sort of PR or, or you know, um, you know. Um, what does it centre on? Does it centre on a sort of broadcast, video or podcast, or yet to be decided what the that system looks like? Yeah, I mean, I've already sort of established, I guess, sort of side brands, etc., mm. and I'll sort of relaunch with um, what that new version looks like. Uh, I'm not not paralysed about what to do with it. I don't know exactly what I'm doing with it, but I'm also not um, not also 
obsessed with that it needs to be a point of perfection before it comes out. Dude, progress over perfection any day of the week and every day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, look, I, I lean into imperfection, um, certainly with, uh, imperfection is a, a beautiful thing. I mean, you, did you see that, um, TEDx this year used one of my favorite concepts, Kitsuge, the idea of, um, yep. broken ceramics put together, um, by gold. And it's, it's a sort of imperfection in that process that creates the beauty. I, I think that's a core part of what I look for in, in authenticity and that kind of quality communication, particularly humans of purpose, you know, mm. none of our recordings are perfect because they don't run to any sort of script and, you know, they could go in any, any direction or they might just not happen like last one we did. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. There's, there's a, there's a beauty in not really planning things and just having an authentic conversation. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a bit jarring for people. I, I often get, um, and this is like totally normal human response, but not, it's not for me as the host anymore, but like get people saying, um, are you going to send me questions in advance? Sure. And I just sort of feel sometimes a bit like, do you want to have a conversation where you already know what that conversation is comprised of? Yeah. Because I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've done it before yeah. and it's it's not enjoyable. Uh, maybe a question for you. Have you, um, yeah, have you, obviously without naming names, yeah, but, yeah. you know, some guests over the journey, yeah. I would um, I would anticipate there would have been some that, you, you know, like, who am I speaking to like now? Do. Um, all the time. Like uh, there are there are a lot where um, you know what, one of the hardest things about doing this is that I don't have a conversation with the person before it actually happens all sure. the time. Yeah, because there's just not enough time. So this episode is brought to you by Dragon Ball Legends, the mobile fighting game based on the Dragon Ball series, featuring high quality 3D graphics and authentic voice acting. The game follows Shallot, an original character, and his adventures with Goku and others. With intuitive controls and simple card-based gameplay, unleash combos and powerful team-based attacks. Battle players around the world in friendly matches, compete in the rankings, or team up in co-op. And now Dragon Ball Legends' fifth anniversary is on. Download Dragon Ball Legends today. A couple of emails, jump on, hope that they're an amiable person. You have about five minutes if it's on Zoom to build rapport before yep. you start recording. And if it's in person, you've got 10 and it's a lot more rich and easier because, you know, you're in the same space. You can sort of judge – you get better at like sort of judging body language and sort of like how to open, open things up. But sure. for me, part of the most enjoyable part of doing podcasts like this where you don't know the person first, you know very little about them, they might have filled out some guest form but that's it, is that challenge of being able to unlock somebody's sort of greatness or their, you know, some of their life experience, secrets and wisdom in a very short amount of time without having that passed with them. Yeah. Well, that's fun for me. And I, I think like, you know, sometimes I quite enjoy podcasts like this with someone like yourself because even though we don't speak all the time, I feel like I know you quite well and cool. I find it easy to have that dialogue. Yeah. So it's a different kind of thing. But then you get others who are just inherently quite sceptical. Maybe they've had a lot of bad experiences with podcasting. This is a fairly unique way of doing it. Mm. And especially pollies and stuff and, um, you know, federal MPs and this kind of thing, you'll have to send questions. Yeah, and that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, and I think you can have a reasonable expectation of certain types of per- people when certainly if there's uh, some some vested interests that they're communicating yeah. about. But, yeah, I, I think about this a lot in terms of having sort of guests involved. I guess when it's on one hand it's um, – Someone who's representing, I guess, a um, a community, a, a peak organisation, etc. Yes, you understand the narrative on point, but yeah, I wrestle with it quite a bit when you 
trying to speak to people and simply because they're attached to a brand. There's, or there's a few something. different types of guests, right? And I think the ones that you were talking about wanting to have on your show are ones that appeal very much to me. So people that other people wouldn't know about and people who you just say, that's an interesting person. I, m- I might have met them once, but I reckon that's that person's got a story in them. So they're actually my favourite ones where yeah. – they don't have a profile. They're not a hugely known person. They might have a small business or something they're doing, but they just have an interesting perspective on life and how they live and live a good life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. And that's what I like. I, and I also particularly like it when the person is quite reluctant to come on the podcast and I have to convince them. That's the best sign of a good podcast mm-hmm. because there's a, there's a sort of like a, you know there's no hidden agenda or overt agenda to be really heavily promoted and to get a lot of people want to come on just to blow themselves up. Mm-hmm. People like that just don't get that or aren't that interested in that. Mm-hmm. So you really got yeah. to work hard to get the buy-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, and I think that make the most interesting, authentic content because there's no bias. And for the same reason, when people write to me saying, I want to come on the podcast, I just immediately say no because – it's too revealing that there's that desire for promotion and spotlight. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't make sense. It's less fun. A little ironic, uh, yes. I Because I'm, I have such an emphasis on the curation, um, yes, I get a lot of sort of inbounds, um, interest in people wanting to, um, you know, jump on my stuff. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, for me the challenge is, um, you know, curating, et cetera. So obviously I get a few really lovely surprises of, um, you know, people I admire saying they're keen to be involved in something. But, yeah. Um, more often than not, it's me, me but sort of you, tapping people on the shoulder. I think I remember we had this interesting um, little chat that I'd love to re-enliven about how do you deal with the amount of inboxes you get or contacts from people wanting to collaborate with you in a really, like, vague kind of... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know I know that we've had this discussion, but it's worth um, it's, saying... It's worth a recap. It, it makes me challenge... Uh, it, it makes me sit there and ponder, like, you know, um, how how I am to conduct myself. Um, you know, I, I place an emphasis on being, you know, really consistent. Um, and consistency is a few things. I, I mean, I guess it's in the genuine way in which I interact with people. And hopefully, you know, I'd like to know that I've left a good impression on people I meet without being obsessed about being liked by everyone. Yeah. I guess is one way of saying it. Um but also in that I'm comfortable in saying no when this is not um, this is not something that is right for me um, at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I don't always need to necessarily explain that because I've got I've got a, a job and people to look after and interests within there. And of course I've got my family um, and time to protect in that regard. So how do, you, how do you communicate that effectively? Like, do you try and sort of yeah? How much? How much should you try to even like give reasons why you don't want to do something? Well, to give that something tangible. Um, so my LinkedIn inbox is an absolute shit show. Yeah. Um, the reason being is that I work in startup investment. I do these creative projects with events and written articles and podcasts, etc. I'm also involved in um, social social enterprise network. Um, Senvik. Senvik. Yep. And then on top of that, uh, I shit post on Twitter, uh, so Twitter and LinkedIn, you know, quite a bit. So yeah. people will hit me up for personal branding or, you know, want, want me to promote, um, their stuff out through LinkedIn. So I've got this constant inbound stream of, um, stuff coming from like my inbox. Random different sources and like intents as well. So it must be hard for you to kind of like process that is a lot of cognitive effort. Correct. The most generic, sta- uh, sorry, the most common statement written to me 
on LinkedIn inbox would be people saying, I'd love to catch up for a coffee and find ways to collaborate. I get, I had that exact yeah. message or two, like two of those messages in the past week and I find them the most difficult to deal with because instead of like making it easy, you're actually putting all this pressure on me to come up with ways that exactly. I can help you. And, and now and I need to problem solve. Yeah, like yeah. why am I now solving your communication problems? Exactly. Very weird. Um, and I d- we did mention this in the last interview, lost to the, you know, vapour of time mm. now, you know, mm. off yep. the ether. Yep. But um, it was around that. I, I can actually appreciate some of the candour and directness of um, American people in particular uh, for, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, you know, God bless them, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I can at least appreciate that, um, you, you know, people, New Yorkians, perfect example. They're more than likely going to come in and say, I want, I want this. Yeah. I want to do this. Um, so when I would approach, uh, people, uh, as part of outbound efforts or maybe to partner up on something official or maybe just relating to side, um, side project type stuff. Uh, I'm very, very clear on what I want to do, how they're involved, what the benefit is for them and what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And and I do think the Americans have something going right for them in the um, directness, simplicity and clarity of how they communicate. Yeah. I mean, it saves everyone time. It it might be a bit verbose and in your face and sort of slap you to the side a little bit when you first see it, but really it's much more productive and efficient to just um, shut it down or clarify what it is you're interested in. So what I've started to do, and I am a little bit touchy about this because I used to be one of those people who would write to people and be like, hey, let's catch up for a coffee and I want to collaborate. But I recognise that that was me as quite a lost person without a lot of direction. Yeah. And I've, I don't do that at all anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's certainly been me. Yeah, just make yeah. That so, 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 like, I, I have some empathy for that. But what I've tried to do now, I used to just not respond and I thought that that's not very nice. So my new approach is sort of to say, that's really interesting. Thanks for writing to me. At the moment, I'm focused on X, Y, Z, and I sort of just make it clear what I'm focusing yeah. on because they may not know that. And then I'll say, do you see what you're working on as fitting with any of these? And just put it back on them to sort yep. of come back. That's been quite effective. Yep, that makes sense. Just, just being sense. direct about, hey, um, really think what you're doing is great. Here are my focus areas. And just to show that you've got that kind of um, direction in what you're doing. It's not you – you're not just a reactive person who sits there and thinks, oh, what opportunity is going to come in my LinkedIn today? Because mm. you can end up in a million different directions that yep. way. And I should counter this with being that I had a formative experience when I was looking to venture into – um, the tech space. So I was um, studying at the time at RMIT doing a master's, um, thinking that that would sort of elevate me within the corporate environment. But ironically, it exposed me to um, a wider network and certainly within the tech space. Um, they put on a talk one time and a guy from Microsoft uh, came along and he was really fascinating. Um, Sean Tierney um, was his name. So he was involved in sort of education, a uh, mixture of education for um, prep to 12 or thereabouts globally and um, pairing with sort of experimental technology. So, you know, um, screens on glass, etc. cetera. Mm. Uh, and he gave an f- absolutely brilliant talk. And then I uh, went up to him afterwards amongst a whole bunch of others who had attended. And I said, look, that was an incredible talk. Um, like, thank you so much. I-, I would love to keep in contact and find out more about this. Um, and in my mind being like, this is the type of stuff i what if there's a lab here in Melbourne? That'd be fantastic to explore. And he said to me, he's like, get in contact with me over LinkedIn um, and let me know and then we can connect from there. 
So I did exactly that like the next day and then um, he came back to me like straight away and he's like, look, thank you. Uh, I spoke to about 100 to 120 people yesterday after the talk because this was a big auditorium, say 800 people mm. full. Um, and he said, you're the only one who's followed up with me. So I, I think from that, that gave me like this really big confidence and spark Yes, where I'm like, okay, so it really is not – uh, you know, you, you can, if you really just go for it and put yourself forward, um, you're at least giving yourself a chance. So within all that LinkedIn inbox shittery, um, I always retain this element of um, be, being open to Dude, what's follow, coming through. Follow-up game is really key. If yeah. you do it well, I mean, the fact is at most of these opportunities with people, it's kind of like I, I think people have a lot of irrational fears about expressing interest in someone else and their work. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's repetition. It's that it's that muscle of like, let me just show interest in this person. Yep. Um, we might have had a conversation and see whether it eventuates into anything. And yep. that's that's for me not the same message as a hey, can we have a coffee and collaborate? It's 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 linked to something direct and tangible, yep. and you've got an avenue there. Yeah. So I 100 percent agree. So um, with some things in my life, so I, I put a lot of emphasis on young people having been sort of so aimless myself in terms of. Um, moving forward, I, I came from no, no sort of a, no wealthy family, no yep. no career pathways, no yep. um, no entrepreneurial um, mentors to uh, lean on within the the family um, and family friends network. So I've I've um, certainly emphasised that part of my life. So if young people uh, reached out or youth led initiatives would um, want me involved in um, appearing or talking about the state of play in various realms, uh, I'll happily participate. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm down with that as well. But I think what you said is really interesting around how um, like often at things like that, where there's really interesting people involved, no one takes the initiative to try and connect with them afterwards. And I've had the same experience when I've done talks and stuff. Um, you know, even at the Social Enterprise World Forum, I did a panel and um, I got, you know, one or two people um, inbox me afterwards and I would definitely meet up with them because yep. I'm interested in what they thought about it and I want, I'd love to get direct feedback but also sure. hear what yep. they think. And I think expressing interest like that authentically is really smart but that's like the polar opposite of doing the generic, hey, let's can we have coffee about nothing in particular uh, inbox. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if there's like a big you know, take it home message there. But I think that LinkedIn is a cooked place. <laughs> and so use it, actually, look, use, it, it. Uh, use it in the best way use without use leaning on it as the most you, important use part Use it of responsibly. Yeah. But, but, I mean, then where do you go? Because Twitter is just people um, venting, virtue signaling and talking absolute garbage a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, what, like Facebook's dead. Um, I don't have Instagram. I don't really like pictures that much. Um, LinkedIn for me, the, the reason – I'll tell you why I like, like LinkedIn and I tell a lot of people the same thing. I think it's one of the – platforms that has the clearest motivational lens as to why people are posting on it and what they're posting about. Yep. So the lack of hidden agendas are very palpable. It's very transparent. If you're on LinkedIn, you're either trying to promote your career trajectory, um, like help others promote their career trajectory, mm-hmm. or engage in B2B or B2C kind of sales channels, promotions or whatever. Like it's just, it's just clear what's going to happen on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go on there, someone's going to be getting a different job, you might be interested in that. It's career stuff. 
You know, it's it's obvious. It's not like this zoo where you don't know what's happening and it could be anything. So I quite like the simplicity there of like yeah. knowing what the motivations and behaviours are likely to be. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, but it is dry as all hell and it's very vanilla and kind of like, you know, susceptible to all the same shortcomings as a lot of the other platforms. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I yeah, it's... God, do we really want to fill up humans of purpose with LinkedIn talk? No, though? but you no, know what I mean. Like, no, let's move on. I, 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 no doubt, I view it as a content feed um, yep. rather than any anything purely related to you know. I guess let's, let's drift back. Let's drift back to we didn't cover enough about fuck up nights because there's a few questions I have about um, sort of um, the fuck up space and why. Why is it important for people to get up on stage and talk about their fuck-ups is my first question. My second question, which I'm happy for you to come back to, is sort of around the the pornification, I'll call it, of failure. Yep. Or that – do you know what I mean when I say that? Absolutely. Okay, so go ahead. Um, Oh, my God. Got hung up on the pornification and forgot the, <laughs> first, uh, so the, forgot first, the first question. Why is it important for people okay, to cool. discuss yep. failure openly? I mean, yeah, you know, it might be obvious to people, but I'm keen to get your perspective. Yeah, I. Uh, so as I uh, mentioned, so certainly some topics started to rise to the top, and um, and that was around sort of uh, opening up uh, around um, you know how certain events had impacted people personally, and I think we. We, meaning uh, Josh and myself who run it, but certainly some repeat attendees, started to recognise that we were getting exposed to stories that were certainly not present in any sort of media capacity and certainly not on the events um, that you might attend, you know, in terms of your sort of generic um, stale panel discussion aspect. So what you and I can appreciate probably is that Purpose Festival – Purpose Conference, I should say, run by um, Sally Hill, the great, great friend, Sally Hill. Hill, the great Sally Good Hill. Good mate, Absolutely. Sally Hill. She's wonderful. And her team do a um, spectacular job in putting on that um, conference. Um, that's one of the only places, sorry, the only activations that I could truly say that I've heard some unfiltered opinions coming through um, great, for great an audience this year. Pretty, Yeah, absolutely. Year, pretty phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and whilst um, certainly contentious um, opinions arising, no doubt um, more is needed in the, in that realm. And some others might have some other examples such as Festival of um, um, Dangerous Ideas. Oh, my God. Yeah, the Festival of Dangerous festival Ideas. Of Dan- yeah. Does that still happen here? Um, I believe it's relaunched or relaunching this year. But cool. anyway, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. So in the Fuck Up Nights scenario, look, we emphasise storytelling purely. So it's not a panel discussion. It's one person up on stage telling a story about their life. Um the, the speakers often have a really lovely experience because they get to they – they, they do something they wouldn't often do, which is that they chart back through their life and sort of pinpoint moments and have a nice experience actually sitting and stopping and thinking about what's happened in their life for, for once and it's usually quite emotive. It's a reflective time. Absolutely. But we I, – I would not say that we've ventured into any sort of – Tony Robbins self-help style bullshit um, along the way. So we're, we're not sort of parlaying these attendees and people into this, you know, 10-step guide or, or, you know, this self-help course, et cetera. I think the audience and the speakers by the same token have enjoyed the connection with a group of people and the audience in particular, whether they're, um, you know, de- depending on what stage they view their life or career as compared to this person speaking, um, they can form some association about the 
the expression about um, feeling scenarios, um, an openness, a candor about you know, what's occurred in their life and how it affected them mm. and gives them the opportunity to, you know, for once in a while be quite vulnerable for a, for a public audience, which wouldn't happen very often. Yes, and I suppose it helps break up that um, that perhaps widely held perception when you look at successful people that everything's a linear kind of non-disrupted narrative, like yep. uh, one day I was doing this, then I had this idea, then it blew up, then I became mega successful, I'm still mega successful. Yeah, and we, look, we've had some... Some absolutely hilarious stories by the same token. Yeah. So this is not a doom and gloom environment. Uh, I think in the same token that you were saying about curating your guests and not necessarily priming them with questions, you know, we don't do that with the speakers. So we're not seeking a qualification from them on what their story is and how that would be um, a, a great narrative to fit in with the confines of our brands that we've, you know, slaved over um, to to say this is, you know, this is the right tone of voice. So we, we let them be free to tell the story that they choose and some really, really lean into it because they've had something uh, absolutely, you know, burnt into them that they mm. would love to express finally. Yep. No, that's, that's, that's well said. And the pornification aspect, I think I, I think I covered it. Um, but we're, we're not, we're not the, um, we're not the main reason this narrative has sort of risen within, um, you know, our society. No. Um, but, but there has certainly been a larger amount of content published out about failure, et cetera. So, uh, you know, a regular part of my life is also brands and companies, uh, wanting to jump on board the, the fuck up nights train, um, whether it's for internal, um, some internal stimulation for their employees or external communication of their brand to a large audience through our platform. Um, but we haven't really been interested in it, um, yeah. to, to be completely, um, transparent like it's it's not an objective for us to no. lead the failure conversation no and i think that's that's interesting and when i talk about sort of the valorization of, of failure i kind of um i do hark back a bit to that mark manson book that he wrote many years ago about like you know everything is fucked i can't remember what the title was yeah. but he he goes deep into this um discussion of his failures in life and i think that was really interesting he he did it at the right time and having fuck on the front cover of a book was just sort of was blew up that subtle art of yes, not giving a fuck yes yep, and, then, yep. and then his follow up book was i think is everything is fucked and you know so are you kind of, kind of nonsense and yeah and he's just released a youtube uh, documentary that sort of uh, talks about the first book quite interesting yeah so uh, i i I'd love to summarize just because we're talking about a book uh, on saying that, you know, I love the aspects of people talking really openly and having a platform to really speak directly and clearly um, and without sort of filter. Um, I, I love storytelling um, in its rawest form and, and love to really emphasize that. This episode is brought to you by Dragon Ball Legends, the mobile fighting game based on the Dragon Ball series. Featuring high-quality 3D graphics and authentic voice acting, the game follows Shallot, an original character, and his adventures with Goku and others. With intuitive controls and simple card-based gameplay, unleash combos and powerful team-based attacks. Battle players around the world in friendly matches, compete in the rankings, or team up in co-op. And now Dragon Ball Legends 5th anniversary is on. Download Dragon Ball Legends today. And, you know, I love that aspect of imperfection. So there's a really great book. I don't know whether you necessarily call it a book, but um, the author, James Victor, is an incredibly well-known creative globally, but he, he created this book or manif- 
manifest, I guess, uh, which is called Feck Perfection. Feck Perfection. <laughs> is he from New Zealand? No, nah, he's, um, he's American, but okay. he's, uh, and he created this, yeah, a, a really amazing sort of small, easy to digest book about, um, you know, embracing imperfection and sort of embracing the messy aspects of life. So I like um, that. I yeah. like that stuff. I guess what I, when I said portification, I'm talking about really, really successful people with really small fuck-ups and, yeah. like, that becomes, like, post-porn for Instagram. Oh, absolutely. And LinkedIn. So, oh, you know, hey, guys, uh, was looking to get a uh, $3.5 billion valuation for the company and we, we, like, you know, had this horrible pitch and we ended up, only ended up with $3 billion. So this, yeah. is, this is, like, you know, just another story about how, we're not perfect. Yeah. So <laughs> look, I've, I've, that's the stuff that really grinds my gears. And I've been I've been pitched plenty of that shit. Um, but look, you know, when when we've had a an event where um, you know we we haven't primed the speakers, and then they come out with stories about how uh, you know they've attempted suicide. Um, you know, friends of theirs have um, committed suicide. Uh, they've lost their children, etc., through broken marriages. Um, lost friends. Um, and and yes, they've lost and they've lost money, which has ended in you know parents losing their houses, etc. I think I get a balanced perspective on what a totally. good story makes. So. Totally, no, yeah. look, you've, you've nailed it there, and that that sums it up really well. Um, let's talk about what you do with Tractor. Mm. Uh, because you, I mean, you're about forty minutes in and didn't, yeah. didn't mention tractor. <laughs> well, it's your main role, and uh, you always have a tractor T-shirt on. So, be, being the brand tick, uh, go on. I actually wear them because they're incredibly comfortable, but uh, also because they look um, good too. I designed them, so I may as well wear. Oh, you you know, wear the fruits of my labor. So that's nice. A local Melbourne crew called Versus Merch um, uh, produce all our shirts, etc. Shout out to Versus Merch. Versus Merch and Scott Cooper and Evan uh, based there. But uh, yeah, really quickly about tractor. So I. To summarise what I actually do, which um, if my friends, family and my wife are listening, um, here's your chance to finally understand. Yes. <laughs> oh, look, I can relate to that more than anything you've said so far. Go on. Well, I, I work in the I work in the technology company investment space. So when you hear VC and angel investment, et cetera, that's my world. Uh, I don't have a finance background. This has been a gradual progression towards here as I've, you know, looked after partnerships at General Assembly, run co-working spaces, worked in research commercialisation, um, you know, throughout University of Melbourne, um, worked on startups, you know, run events and, set, you know, on and on. Um, I work in the finance world now, uh, in startup world. And so Tractor Ventures, we do what's called, I guess, alternative financing for technology companies. So our particular funding model is that we provide money to startups so they can grow in the short term without taking equity. So the traditional way for companies to to get money within Australia is to lean on family and friends for initial rounds or have, you know, some coffers of money that they pour into building a startup, um, then seek some seed investment from various sources, but ultimately progress towards, say, a venture capital um, route. The other side is bootstrapping. Bootstrapping is basically bootstrapping running is a very common, isn't it? It's running a business. Yeah, like you know, like it's uh, it's glorified in the startup space, but you're essentially you're just running a business. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so, but what started to eventuate was that you know venture capitalists want a certain type of company. They want a company that is going to print money 
and is going to have a liquidity or exit event at a certain point in time. And then that, um, that venture capital fund will be returned to the investors and the people who have filled that fund, probably superannuation companies or, or, um, or other sort of rich family offices to return that fund 10 times what's been invested at least, mm. maybe a hundred times. So that's why companies like, um, Canva, et cetera, just continue to raise money. Um, pile in because they accumulate all this money and at some point those investors expect a liquidity event through acquisition or um, IPO, et cetera, yep. where the money is returned to the investors 10 to 100 times. So there's plenty of companies that are growing um, at a reasonable, sustainable rate uh, with revenue that are not quite attractive to uh, venture capitalists or angel investors at all times. Yep. So we, and this, mind you, this is called debt funding. Um, so we're, we're basically, we're like a bank. We're like and a bank. what you also say is non-dilutive funding, importantly. Yep. So you're not taking a stake of these companies that you're backing. That's right. So it's a loan. It's, it's a debt. loan. It's yep. debt. Uh, why, how is this different to Why, um, why shouldn't I just go to one of the big four? Well, exactly. So banks, banks run credit and risk functions against everything you do. So when you go for a home loan, they're evaluating the the amount your house is worth what is in Mike the Davis's salary it's not good okay yeah, exactly we'll just deny it. yep go yeah. on so they're they're looking for tangible assets to seize in the in the event that you um default on your loan repayments and it, and it works the same in sort of technology space so that irony that they're building uh, stuff on technology which is essentially vapor um, there's no assets there to seize what are they going to do like take a MacBook or two so uh, basically banks will will be resistant to fund the largest majority of um, technology-enabled companies. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we come in. We basically have created our own bank and we do our own credit and risk functions. It just happens to be against technology companies themselves, not the founders running it. Yeah, fair. Look, makes a lot of sense. From your role, I mean, I guess you would have a great time hearing about lots of really interesting industries, sectors and companies in the space. You mentioned a few that you were interested in before being sex tech and um, and psychedelics and whatnot. What kind of other areas or sort of sectors or types of companies are taking your interest at the moment? Well, I mean, obviously find the agriculture technology um, space absolutely fascinating, mainly related to obviously working on um, world-changing scenarios that are, um, you know, incredibly high concept slash um, incredibly important for the future for the future of this planet moving forward. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's important and that's interesting to me, and also um, you know an increased emphasis on health. Um, you know, and, and we're in Victoria. Um, here where health is a particularly, um, you know, important part of our sort of technology landscape um, based on the fact that, you know, we've got world-class medical research institutes and and a large cluster of, you know, health-related startups or scale-ups or technology companies at large. So those two particularly interest me. Um, I can't say I get really jazzed about, you know, finance applications with sort of a – um, you know, a brand new app on how to manage your funds. Although I'm a big fan of UpBank, um, so I have to uh, give them a bit of a shout out. What do they do? Is it just an online bank or? 
Yeah, it's a, I guess, a neobank um, that they were acquired by Bendigo Bank, but have been developed with them for a period of time. But well known and well utilised by um, a younger demographic of people, I believe, uh, which um, helps them to understand the role that would they money take plays. Me? I'm nearly forty. Would they accept my bankage? Uh, hard to say, Mike. Hmm. Hard I'd to say. To I, can't, I can't. I can't commit to that. You're going to have to ask <laughs> the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being honest, Gary. Appreciate it. Um, and, and look, you know, relating to my own interests, I, I, I get especially jazzed about, um, you know, seeing uh, certain companies that are establishing themselves with uh, with an eye to how cultural norms and society shifts may be relating to policy changes, et cetera. Yep. So legalisation of cannabis, for example, there's yep. a whole raft of companies that are set up for a number of sort of streams under that umbrella. Um, and that's fascinating to observe, like people sort of getting their house in order before that happens to be so. Uh, Psychedelics, perfect one. like mm-hmm. to see that mm-hmm. um, being developed. And I want to give a shout out to Silo from Sydney, who I ran an event with last year on the future of psychedelics. Yes. You're so, going to connect us, aren't you, for potentially a podcast? Absolutely. We'll about that. So um, that's P-S-Y-L-O. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Dr. Sam Bannister and um, Dr. Delara Bacecchi from Silo came down to Melbourne and ran a um, ran an event alongside a group called Enosis Technologies. Dude, I, I think I registered for that event, but I couldn't make it. But I, that's one of the events that I most regret not being able to attend last yep. year. So that, that's a really cool one. Uh, yeah, and, you know, psychedelics, yep. So, you know, we're talking about the effects of MDMA and ketamine and, um, you know, cannabis and um, psilocybin. And, you know, I, I, I just find that a really interesting case study in, you know, destigmatization of what um, drugs are or could be um, and how it can affect certain aspects of, I guess, human decency or, or life. Oh, and I just think just in terms of applications of what is natural on our planet to helping to solve um, a lot of mental health issues where the pharmaceutical yeah. industry hasn't made much inroads. Well, I feel bad because I just said decency. I mean dignity of life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, but we're talking about, you know, PTSD. We're talking yep. about Al- Alzheimer's alleviation. Um, we're talking about dementia. End of um, life. Yeah. So, so aspects related to that, but certainly not fixated on just the elderly, like full span. So, Silo work in that um, that sort of space as a biotech based out of um, Sydney, and then Gnosis Technologies basically uh, work alongside the the application of drugs, but then pair that with VR for conditioned environments. Gnosis, the dudes is just down the road. We talked correct. About yeah, Brock, Brock, and that. Brock McLean, yep. correct. He's, he works within um, former outstanding AFL footballer. That's right. High draft pick. And um, uh, Agnieszka um, leads that company. So, yeah, for, definitely worth having his guests on a yeah. future program. Yeah, no, look, we've spoken. So I think that'll that'll have to happen for sure. Um, mate, wonderful chatting with you. Is there anything else that we should cover? Anything you remember from last podcast that is essential to tap back into for this one? Well, I, I think I just want to give um, just one um, final bit of airtime to um, Social Enterprise Network Victoria yeah, as I as I sort of continue on with um, getting involved in spaces that I sort of believe in. No, not a sort of like I believe in, as in I, I sure? believe in, but want to um, go want to raise into. raise up a little bit and yep. certainly um, involve myself in the space. So it's not about doing more things unnecessarily. It's about combining some aspects and then really trying to uh, bring certain groups um, up and expose to a large group of people so that they can then carry on with doing the things that they do rather than me being centrally involved forever in a day. 
So my my commitment is for Tractor. I like I'm sort of firmly committed in that realm and grow that company um, as a as a primary consideration, and then yep. I involve myself in other aspects um, surrounding that. Basically. But you you have an inherent interest in the social enterprise and the social impact space. It seems absolutely, mm. absolutely, because uh, I, I just see the. I see it in two parts. One is obviously the value creation uh, that can um, emanate from it, but also for the fact that, let's be honest, a lot of social enterprise and social impact groups, projects, people are potentially not as good as marketing or promoting themselves out. So uh, I really want to play a hand in starting to expose people who are doing you know, some really wonderful things out to a bit of a large audience so that, again, another group of people can be exposed to them and and see themselves in what what they're doing and uh you know if part of their ambition is to you know design their career towards something that has a particular emphasis that they that they believe in then I'll, I'm striving to create a bit of a pathway for that to become so yeah, fantastic, mate. Um, great shout out at the end and definitely p- uh, pop a link in the show notes to some of the places you mentioned as well. Yeah, so an easy way to search for um, Social Enterprise Network Victoria is simply S-E-N-VIC. Yeah, SENVIC. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, mate, how can people connect with you and learn more about your wonderful work? And I want to say work uh, bracket S because you're a man of works. Well, um, you know, obviously if you want to get in touch, you um, – you're going to pass my the LinkedIn, LinkedIn inbox. You're going to pass the <laughs> test. So no coffees and collabs inboxes. Something a little bit more spicy, interesting and direct as to what you do and are interested in maybe. Maybe I'll have my OnlyFans set up um, by the time this um, <laughs> this goes to air. But um, no, to be honest, uh, again, just harking back to the early days when I was really trying to get out there and be in touch with people, et cetera, I really went for it and um, and – you know, not everything would work out in my favour, but I certainly attempted to make it so. So, um, yeah, certainly if anyone wanted to be in touch with me about sort of any aspects that we've covered or, or anything that's popped into mind, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, you name it, just get in touch because I make it a priority to at least um, – respond to people. Yeah, lovely, mate. Well, fantastic. Um, this has been just as good as the first time, if not better. Well, Mike, uh, I appreciate you having me in, but um, <laughs> no problem at all. I think, uh, you know, I, I just want to congratulate you on really sort of, you know, really sort of pushing this um, effort along and I'm really excited to see what you've got coming up. I understand you've got a goal in mind for the near future. Yeah, so 300 is the magic number um, for yep. me to be satisfied with my contribution to this space but I do love every time I get to do this with people like yourself yep. and that passion hasn't waned. So I think I did say to you on the last recording, it's always for me it, – like this doesn't make any money. I lose money every time I do this. Yep. I can afford to sustain that um, at the moment, but um, there'll come a point where you've got to balance the passion and the enjoyment of doing what you're doing with that. And uh, while the passion still burns, um, I'll continue to keep doing it because I love it. It's something that I, um, I don't get sick of. Um, every conversation is probably one of the better hours of my week and it gives me something to think about and it fills up my cup. My curiosity, like for you, for me, is one of the most important things to indulge that makes me who I am. And so to have that um, ability to fill that on a weekly basis is just a huge um, improvement on my life. Yeah, that, that's really good. Yeah. No, I, I firmly agree. Yeah. I've got, I've got to laugh just for a second though because while you were saying that, 
as you saw, I just took a whole bunch of photos of you and you just you just really got the narrative out without sort of wavering at all. So it's from the heart. Well done. It's from the heart. And also I wanted to nail it because I knew you were recording. So, you know, who isn't a camera slot when they need to be? Thanks, mate. Right. Lovely to see you. Thank you again, Mike. And um, thanks to all the previous guests and all the future ones. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products, or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.